Welcome to PS, Greatest Hits of the Puget Sound podcast, where we revisit our conversations with members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker, and today we're revisiting my conversation with Nate Hess. Nate graduated from Puget Sound in 2020, though this conversation was recorded in the summer of 2019, when he was still a student. Since graduating, Nate has been working for AmeriCorps, restoring stream beds, replacing invasive plants with native ones, and creating salmon habitat all around Pierce County. In August, he'll start an honors program at the University of Sydney, as in Australia, to spend a year researching the impacts of oyster aquaculture on estuaries. I loved talking to Nate, and I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Here's Nate from 2019. Hey, Nate. Hi. Thanks for coming to do the podcast. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you. Uh, (laughs) Here's my first question. You're from Arlington, Virginia. What are you doing out here pretty much as far away as you can get? Um, So that was the goal. Uh, (laughs) No, no, I'm kidding. Um, So I have a ton of family in the Pacific Northwest. My mom is from here. Um, Where's your mom from? She's from... Um, Estacada, Oregon. Okay. Uh, it's on Mount Hood. Okay. Um, yeah, so I have a ton of family out in the Pacific Northwest, so I would visit a bunch of, like, colleges and stuff when I was out here. Sure. So it was kind of the natural choice. Um, Virginia is, like, hot and gross and <laughs> muggy, especially in the summer, so I'm really enjoying the, the Tacoma summer. Had you um, spent a summer here before now? Not a full summer. Yeah. I would always come out here for summer. Sure, to visit um, your family. To visit family. Yeah. Like my, we have a cabin on Mount Hood that my aunt lives in. Nice. So um, we go up there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And how did, have you lived in Virginia your whole life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did your f- family make it out there? So my dad is from Washington, D.C. Okay. Um, so his, is his family also out in the Mid-Atlantic? Yeah. So they're really a D.C.-based family working in politics. Now, you um, anticipated one of my questions. Yeah. Um, and so um, my parents met on a U.S. geological survey. Um, That's an amazing thing in fact. Costa Rica from um, that they were on. Um, yeah. Led by the U.S. geological survey. Mm-hmm. So um, they both worked in the for the federal federal government. And D.C. is a um, logical place. And to D.C. Be. is the logical place to be. Um, yeah. Well, so. Where Arlington is, it's like right outside of the DC, like right outside of DC. So, sure. Like that. If you don't know, it's like where the Pentagon is. I actually did um, not know that. And it's like where the like the National Cemetery and like sure all of that stuff is in Arlington. Um, yeah. And so you're a high school senior in Arlington. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about going to college in the Pacific Northwest, or you're maybe sure you want to go to college in the Pacific Northwest. So. I only really applied to small liberal arts colleges on the West Coast. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then a couple state schools in Virginia. Sure. Um, as safeties, you know. Right. Um, as you do. Uh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, Puget Sound was um, – well, it was between Puget Sound and Lewis and Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's – do you want me to go into the whole story? I of, sure like, do. How yes, I got please. to Puget Sound? Okay, cool. I, this is the story I tell on my tours as well. Great. Um, so I came – to visit um, the West Coast, I was like between Lewis and Clark and Puget Sound. My mom went to Lewis and Clark also, which is just another little bit of drama to the right. story. <laughs> um, so, um, I 
skipped a week of school, essentially, um, came out alone, flew out alone um, oh. to visit. Um, so I went to Lewis and Clark first, just spent two days there, did an overnight stay, practiced with the Frisbee team because I've been playing Frisbee for a very long time. And mm-hmm. that was an important part of like, I wanted to be able to play competitive ultimate yeah. um, in college, not just like leave that behind in from high school. Right. Um, and so I, uh, oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought. You came to Lewis <laughs> and Clark. You were there for a couple of days. I was there for two days. with the ultimate yes, team. Yes, with the ultimate team. Um, and the reason like, I, I really did like it there. Um, but the reason I didn't choose to go there is because um, when I visited, it was more like I was just kind of a guest Mm-hmm. Um, on campus and like a guest on the team. And then when I, I came to Puget Sound a day later and stayed, did it overnight with Lee Nelson. Oh, um, Lee you, Nelson has already been on the podcast. I know. Listeners I listened can to go his back. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I did it overnight with Lee Nelson and I practiced with the Frisbee team at Puget Sound and was like, wow, I'm already a part of Lee's friend group essentially right. just from visiting. And I'm already a part of the Frisbee team here. Whereas at Lewis and Clark, I was just a guest. So yeah. that was pretty impactful. Um, and like really made the decision easy. Yeah. Um, I called my parents on the steps of Jones and was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Puget Sound. And what did your mom say? She was, she was fine with it. Like yeah. she, she went to Lewis and Clark, but she doesn't have like. She was going to let you make your own choice. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that live your like own a, life. Wasn't like a big factor in the, um, like my decision making process yeah. at all. There was no like pressure from my parents to like Good. choose a specific cool school. Yeah. And tell me about the ultimate. How do you, when do you start to play ultimate? Um, so I started in seventh grade. And um, why ultimate frisbee? It's a, that's a good question. So I, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. I just started playing ultimate. It was only the only varsity sport at my high school. Okay. Um, all of my friends played frisbee. Um, so it was just kind of like the natural choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had played, like, other sports in elementary and, like, in the beginning of middle school, and I, like, never really enjoyed them. And then I, like, started playing Frisbee, um, and I loved it. So I just kept playing, um, and, yeah, it was fun. What do you think is different about Frisbee that makes you like it? So Frisbee, a lot of the aspect of Frisbee is, like, community. Mm. So... um, yeah, sure, you're competitive and you're, like, playing, like, a competitive sport against other teams, but that doesn't really matter if you're not, like, actively enjoying hanging out with the right. people that are on your team. And right. that's, like, really what we try to emphasize. Um, and I think that's really a big thing in Frisbee. Um, it's the concept called spirit of the game. Hmm. Um, so it's Frisbee is self-officiated, so there's no, like, referees I or anything that. like that. So um, you have to know the rules. Um and, and respect them. And, like, respect the rules. And, like, um, actually, so um, we, the Frisbee team, uh, the Puget Sound Postmen, which is our name, <laughs> UPS Postmen. Yeah. It's an um, excellent pun. Yes. Um, yeah. We uh, won the Spirit Award at Nationals last year. Um, and that's essentially, like, um, one of the most important things about Frisbee is, like, right. respecting, like, your opponents and... Um, knowing the rules and stuff like that. And that's um, probably the most unique thing about the sport. Um, Yeah. And you just sort of casually dropped that you were at Nationals last year. (laughs) Uh, That suggests to me that the UPS postmen are quite good. Um, We are, yes. So um, 
I can't remember the exact years. I want to say 2012 and 2013, the Postman got second at D3 Nationals. Yeah. Um, and then um, there was a couple, there was like a few years where we didn't qualify because Nationals was on graduation weekend and we went the D1 route. Um, so we um, qualified again last year and then um, had a pretty successful season, um, won the Spirit Award, which mm-hmm. was really cool. Um, but our women's team, um, clear cut, um, they a logger pun. Yes, yeah, <laughs> they have um, gotten uh, third place at nationals the last three years in a row, um, and then they got fifth at nationals just this past year as well. So, um, and they bring it, almost everyone back. So, if you are a prospective uh, women's frisbee player, um, going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year for clear cut next year. Yeah, um, yeah, they're they're pretty cool. Um, and the nice thing is, like, both of the communities are, like, very close, like, close-knit. We, like, um, go bowling together and we, like, do all sorts of fun stuff. And yeah. we have potlucks and, like, brunches and stuff with both of the teams. Um, and I think that's pretty unique um, for a lot of, like, sports is – for Frisbee, at least, is um, having, like – the community is such a huge aspect right. of it. Yeah. And you're talking about a lot of um, really, like, high achievement and high <laughs> accomplishments. But is there – like, could somebody who'd never played Frisbee before come out to practice? Oh, all or, the time. Yeah. Yeah. So most of the people who play Frisbee at Puget Sound have never, like, played Frisbee before. Yeah. Um, so my uh, my class, uh, class of 2016, or in from class of 2020, I guess. But um, started, started in the fall, in of fall of 2016. Yeah, that yeah. makes more sense. Yes. Um, we, there were, like, 15 of us um, as first years, and only, like, three or four had played Frisbee before. Yeah. Um, and that is, like, essentially the people who – like hadn't really ever played frisbee before they like bought in and like really um like improved their play right. and it took us to nationals yeah um and we have like this freshman class um this past season um is also like really dedicated and only like one of them has played frisbee before yeah um so that's really valuable what's the time commitment when you're talking about dedication like a couple days a week more than that so we practice twice a week yeah um And then we also have workout pods with, like, three or four other people, um, and you basically decide when you're going to go, like, do your team workout. Um, Yeah, so, like, relatively low commitment, definitely more committed in the spring. Um, In the fall, it's more casual, like, teaching people how to actually throw a Frisbee. Right. Um, And then, um, like, getting those skills. Yeah, um, the baseline. The baseline skills. And we've a little bit touched on this already, but just for you, you've played ultimate your much of your life. What's it like to go to nationals? That was really cool. Yeah. Um, I so we I had always wanted to go to nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister, she also plays frisbee. She's gone to a few nationals and a few world championships um, <laughs> as a player. Um, so like actually getting to go myself and play um, that was really fun. Um, and a super unique experience um, that is, like, pretty rare. Yeah. Um, only, like, 16 teams from each division get to go to nationals, and being one of those teams was was really cool. Um, and I think it also, like, helped everyone on the team, uh, like, um, know how we need to improve right. um, to, like, get back there. Sure. So, um, yeah, this next season we 
bring basically everyone back. Um, so we're, our, our goal is to make a run at nationals this year. Um, yeah. And who do you play in the regular season? Who do you have to get past to get there? Um, so the regular season is kind of complicated um, in that it's tournament based. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the season, there are like bids that are assigned to different regions based on like the top 16 mm. in the country, like on your power ranking. Okay. So basically we try to go to out of region tournaments to play as many people sure. um, as we can. Strength of schedule. Um, strength of your schedule. Yeah. So um, this past year we flew to a tournament called the D3 Midwestern Invite in Fair Oaks, Indiana. Mm -hmm. um, and at the University of Portland, who is the team that went to the nationals from the Northwest this year, they... Um, also went there and they beat us on universe, which is like essentially, um, next point wins, mm. um, um, in that tournament in the semifinals. So, yeah. um, the Northwest, um, showing up, um, <laughs> at that tournament, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So we, at that tournament, we played, um, St. Olaf, uh, let's see, Grinnell, Winona state, but we also play like Portland, Lewis and Clark, um, Whitman occasionally, Oregon, Oregon State in like early season tournaments. Um, we play Humboldt occasionally as well. So like a lot of different teams from all over the West Coast and um, all over the country, which is really nice. How do theme row Ka'ohana Meike Aloha's annual luau and the roar of a chainsaw in Baker Stadium Connect? Hi, I'm Mike Rodersman, Associate Director of Admission and a Puget Sound alum from the class of 1999. And all three of these things that I listed are Puget Sound traditions that date back to even before I was in school. To learn more about traditions and special events, head to pugetsound.edu slash stories. Now back to P.S., the Puget Sound Podcast. When you came to Puget Sound, you knew you wanted to play Frisbee. Did you know what you wanted to study? Did you have a sense of that? Um, I had a pretty good sense. Um, biology and theater had always been like my two main interests. I yeah. did a lot of theater in high school. Um, my... In high school, actually, my two, like, competing things were Frisbee and theater, like, trying sure. to find the time. Um, and now it's between uh, theater and Frisbee again, <laughs> um, but with biology thrown in there. Right. Um, Just a little sprinkle of yeah, biology. Yeah, a, a little sprinkle of biology. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I had always really known that I wanted to do biology. I wasn't, like, 100% sure where I would end up, what I would end up studying. Yeah. So I just like kind of shopped around with a bunch of majors um, when I first came to the school. What were some of the things that you tried out? I tried out um, politics and government. I took yeah. international relations um, and um, I took an anthropology class and um, math. Uh, I took calculus, which was not fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I took a history of Japan class. So I was just like trying out a bunch of different things yeah. um, to see what I might be interested in. And biology was like the natural choice I for mean, me. I really think that's one of the best things to do when you first get to college because there's such a breadth of subjects that either you haven't had in high school or sometimes I think there's a lot of things that when they're taught by college professors mm -hmm. just – 
manifest differently than they do in high school. Right. Right. And a lot of it has to do with the quality of the school that you went to or just the particular teachers that you had. But there are a lot of things where even if you did have the class in high school, it feels different when you get to college. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's definitely the case. And I think that's why those like seminar classes Mm. are so useful because it like helps you um, like – adjust to the workload a right. little bit better and like you're talking know about what the, the, ex- the, the first SSIs, year yes. the first year the writing first seminars year, yeah, yeah exactly um those are super useful to like help you make that transition a little, little bit easier and like know what work is expected from you yeah um yeah and once you settled on biology how smooth the transition was that right i mean did that you was, it was a pretty smooth transition. Yeah. Um, I didn't end up taking my first biology class until the second semester of my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a ton of fun. The professor who teaches that, Dark Doc Martin, we call his name is Mark Martin. Um, we call him Doc Martin. <laughs> um, he's a, a microbiologist. Um, he became my advisor. Um, yeah. Is that the kind of biology that you're especially interested in? No, not particularly. What I'm do you more, like to do? So I'm more interested in like big bio essentially mm-hmm. so plants animals um marine is what i think i want to do for grad school i'm mm-hmm. um, kind of seeing where it takes me um so i'm doing a summer research project um this summer with professor carrie woods um on um basically how huckleberries the huckleberry bushes mm-hmm. are distributed in like mixed wood forests so forests with, with coniferous and deciduous trees um I'm seeing how huckleberries, like, are distributed around those forests. What are you hoping that finding out the answer to that question will tell you? Well, I can tell you what my hypothesis yeah, is. please. So what I think happens, so Douglas fir trees mm-hmm. um, and most coniferous trees, they lower the soil pH around around them. Okay. And vicinium, which is, like, the broad species of, like, huckleberry, blueberry, cranberry, all that stuff. Sure. They really like... Um, acidic soil. Mm-hmm. So my theory is, and no one has tested the, this yet. Except for you. Except for me. Hopefully yeah. <laughs> I find some actual data. Um, <laughs> um, so what I think will happen is that huckleberry will tend to grow closer to um, coniferous trees than it would to deciduous because the pH is more in line with what they um, grow in. Sure. Um yeah. And what are the um, implications of knowing the answer to that question? Um, so there's a lot of implications in like farming, um, mm. like blueberries, huckleberries, sure. cranberries, like increasing the like viability of those like products and stuff like yeah. that. Um, I hadn't really like thought that far ahead yet. Sure. I'm just kind of in the initial steps of the project. How did like, you get to the question even? What sparked that for you? So in ecology, um, which is one of our, um, like one of the bio- biology classes that every student has to take if they're a biology major, um, you get to do your own independent research project. Um, and part of it is just like going out into the woods and just like sitting there for a little bit and like looking and seeing what you notice, yeah. and that's one of the things that I noticed. Um, and so I, like, kind of put that on a shelf in my brain right. and was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, and then I ended up doing a different independent project for ecology, and then, like, this idea kept coming back to me, and it was like, 
I could do that for summer research. Um, and so I did. And what are you actually doing, like physically doing to find out? Yeah, so I am going to Point Defiance Park, mm-hmm. um, which is in Tacoma. Um, it's the second largest urban park in the country. It sure um, is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I am... I have one meter by one meter plots, and I'm counting all of the huckleberry bushes, like the individual bush, within each plot, um, and then taking a soil sample from each plot as well. Um, And I'm doing that at different distances from specific trees that I randomly choose. How I'm realizing as we talk that I don't actually know how big a huckleberry bush is, because Mm. the thought I had when you said that was how many huckleberry bushes could there possibly be in a one meter by (laughs) one meter plot? Um, So... They can be big. Yeah. Um, it's hard to, like, do it for the for the audience. For the listeners. For the listeners. Yeah. But um, they're about this big. You know, okay. Like, it really depends on the size. Okay. Um, <laughs> for the listeners who couldn't hear. Um, that, that seemed, like, about four feet tall and about, yeah. like, two or three feet wide. And it, it also depends on, like, how much light there is and sure. other stuff like that, other factors. But, yeah. Sure. Especially in the Pacific Northwest, um, the conditions really suit them well, so they get they get pretty big. And um, are you looking at any kind of huckleberry, red huckleberry, blue huckleberry? So base, I'm doing all vicinium. Um, okay. So the most common vicinium in the Pacific Northwest, or at least in our area, are evergreen huckleberry, mm-hmm. um, red huckleberry, and um, oval leaf blueberry. Okay. Um, so those are the the big three that I'm focusing on because they're the most common around here. Nate, this is so interesting. Yeah. Tell me, um, let's just switch gears a little bit and before we wrap up, talk about your experience with theater. Okay, sweet. Are you an actor? Are you tech? What kind of so stuff do you do? In high school, I did a lot of directing, um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I actually directed seven plays in high school. Whoa. Yeah. Um, uh, And then I came to college and like biology became like the big thing that I was focusing on. So I kind of put the theater on the back burner Um, and I haven't been as much um, involved in it as I maybe would have wanted to here. Um, So I've mostly done like um, some tech stuff freshman year. I stage managed for a play in the Senior Thesis Festival, mm-hmm. um, and then I've been an, a part of um, the Town Crier Festival, um, which is a club festival that we have. Um, it's all student-written plays um, and all student-directed, student-acted. Um, yeah, it's a really cool thing. I directed one of those my freshman and sophomore year. And um, you don't have to write a play to direct it. You don't have Somebody to write a play to direct it. Yeah, someone yeah. else writes the script. Um, and then um, you choose from a bunch of different ones, and then you get to direct it. Um, yeah, so I did that twice. Um, I've acted in Director's Lab, which is a part of the theater. Um, the theater department has a class called Directing, mm-hmm. um, and the students in that class each direct a little scene um, from a play. And so I um, have acted in a couple of those scenes yeah. um, the past couple of years. So there's a play called Dog Sees God. Um, which is essentially the um, Peanuts characters, but they're grown up and they have issues. Um, and, yeah, my character's name was C.B. Um, Charlie Brown. Um, ah. he, he was um, visiting um, Lucy um, in prison. So, right. Yeah. So, like, stuff like, yeah. It's a hard turn. Yeah. It was, yeah. It, it, 
Yeah, it's pretty funny. You're actually um, gesturing in kind of the way that you're describing this to one of my favorite things about Puget Sound, which is that you can have all kinds of interests mm. and can sort of jigsaw them together in your life in whatever way makes sense or is possible at a given time, but mm-hmm. without having to exclude anything. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely do think that like time is like one of the most valuable resources that you have, like no matter what. Um, So like finding the things that you really enjoy and making the time for those things is like the most important. So I've found a way to do that with like the two most important things to me, which are biology and Frisbee. And then um, a little bit less on the theater just because um, it takes up so much time. Mm -hmm. I do love theater. I love being a part of it. Um, And like working on plays and stuff like that. It, it's just a time suck. Yeah. Um, but you're able to. But I'm able to. Yeah. 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 Um, typically what I do is I will work on Town Crier and Director's Lab in the fall semester mm-hmm. and like miss a little bit of the Frisbee season. And then spring when Frisbee picks up, I will um, take some theater classes and mostly focus on Frisbee. Um, yeah. So that's to um, get the nice balance. Mm-hmm. Um concluding all of our conversations uh, with the same four questions. All right. The first question is, what's your favorite place on campus? Oh, um, definitely Oppenheimer Cafe um, or even just Brown Courtyard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I always say when I give a tour, it's like it's, this is the most beautiful place on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Oppenheimer, like the coffee is is the best there. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Um, yeah. It's closed for the summer, which I know, is very which upsetting. Is, I know. I, I wish that they... So they they always close every day at five during the school year. Mm-hmm. I wish they would stay open one hour longer. Like I why just one stay hour? open until six? Because what, what's going on with you between five and six well, that you I, need a cup of coffee? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's just a like really nice atmosphere to do yeah. homework and like um, that's about the time that a lot of people like get done with classes or something like that. So just stay open until like until six. Allow people to like hang out for an extra hour. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading a book called – I have it in my backpack because I read it in the office. Let's see it. I have so. it in the backpack because I read it at work. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, when I'm not giving tours, I'm just kind sure. of sitting around in the office. Fair enough. So it's called Bit Player. Um, it's by Stephen Hess, who's my grandfather. Um, it's his memoirs. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, it's actually – it's really cute. This is lovely. Um, so it's – he was a speechwriter for – in the Eisenhower and Nixon White Houses. Whoa! Um, and so these are. This is like his memoirs is, um, about that and about stuff he's done since then. I don't usually um, do sidebars in the questions, but is this your most prominent relative in politics? No. <laughs> Can I ask you who is now? This feels. You don't have to answer that question if you don't want. Um, I'm. I think I'm not going to answer that just because it's going. That too so big public. a sidebar? I, after this, I can tell you. All right, we'll talk about um, it off air. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, we can cycle right on to what the best place to eat in Tacoma is. Oh, okay. Ooh, that's hard because there are a lot of really good places to eat. Um, Goofy Goose um, is my favorite teriyaki place um, in Tacoma. Um, so the chicken fried rice is to die for. Um, 
And yeah, it's this place. It kind of looks like dingy and a little bit run down. Um, but then you like go in there and it's like they're super nice. They have a lot of um, seating and the food is really good. Um, yeah. Lastly, Nate, what makes Puget Sound special? The people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't... I couldn't imagine myself at any other school um i couldn't imagine myself playing frisbee at any other school there's just something really special about um the different communities that the school offers like no matter what you do you're going to have like the support network to um help you out and and stuff like that which is what i really appreciate about puget sound Um, yeah nate hess thanks for joining me yeah thanks elena Thanks for listening to P.S., the Puget Sound podcast. If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for P.S., the Puget Sound podcast.